You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, what's up, everybody? I hope it's all good. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. This podcast finds you well. This episode was a lot of fun. This one was with Ken Rose from a band called Hero Jr., who I discovered via the wide world of the internet. And I talk about it a little bit in this episode, so I will not ruin that surprise. I guess it's not that much of a surprise. It's just kind of a cool thing that happened. The band has great riffs. Ken's a great guy to talk to. He was really, really fun to talk to. We just talk about a lot of music business stuff, and he's got a deep history in that. And of course, we get into the gear and what the band is up to and all that good stuff. Really fun conversation. And Ken was kind enough to stick around for an extra, I don't remember exactly how long, but quite a while for additional Patreon content. So if you like the show, you want to see it keep going, and you just can't get enough of this blabbering, you can slide over to patreon.com slash tone mob and for just five bucks a month, you will get additional episodes delivered to your ears every week. They might be extended interviews, which is what most of them are. They might be good chats with, between me and my friend Justin Porter. They might be demos. They might be any number of different forms of audio content. But largely, it is additional interviews, or extended interviews, rather. So patreon.com slash tonemob is where you can go. For five bucks a month, that's where that stuff starts. So thank you to so much for everybody that's doing that. And I'll shut up now and get right into this episode with Mr. Ken Rose. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Ken Rose from Hero Jr. What's going on, man? Hey, man. How are you? You know, hanging in there. Good, thank you. Right? Yeah. Healthy. As long as we're healthy, it's good, right? That's right. That's 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 all we can ask for at this point. <laughs> yeah. Healthy with good food in the refrigerator, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's where that's where I'm sitting right now, so I cannot complain. <laughs> and I had a I surprise know. guitar show up this week, so I'm really I'm probably doing better than average, if I'm being totally honest. Can't complain. You had a guitar show this week? A guitar show up uh, to the house. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I saw it, the black one, right? Yeah, I was. that was a surprise. I just got an email on Tuesday... Uh, and from Barry Grisbeck, I think I said his last name correctly. And he's like, Hey, I, uh, sent you a demo guitar. I'm like, uh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> well, thank you. So it, it's not, it's not for keeps, but at least I get to show it some love during quarantine. So I'm doing pretty oh, good. That's, that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And I got a note saying that Pariah finished my pickups and, they're sending them, and I wasn't expecting that for a long time. Nice. So now I'm going to have to find a way to get them put in. 
Yeah, that that is the challenge. I know uh, one of my local techs is t- basically taking drop-off orders on his porch and, like, yeah. sanitizing everything and then working on the guitars and then you pick it up from the porch and pay him via PayPal. So, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so hopefully there's something like that you can figure out. But Oh, yeah, I'm going to figure it out for sure, whatever it takes. So before we get into it, you've got a long backstory and... Uh, I don't think, you know, I don't know that my listeners necessarily know about it. So let's let's start from the beginning when you started playing guitar and your, you know, career and then what you're doing with the band and all that. Let's let's fill that all in. Cool. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it as short and concise as possible. But I, I, I think I always was into music. I always wanted to play guitar. Even before I played guitar, I used to play tennis racket in the mirror like a lot of people probably did. And it's kind of a weird story because I was forced into playing guitar. Well, not forced, but I was in, in, um, with, with the premise of getting some culture, I had to pick an instrument when I was like 11, 11 years old. And I picked guitar and I got put in a group guitar lesson at the local park. And I was the only guy in it. I was you know, I was 11, so I wanted to play sports. And here I was sitting with like eight girls playing kumbaya on the guitar, and it was not very fun. And um, I did it for the year because I had to do it. And the next year, I kind of had the same ultimatum. And I did it again. And it was another group like that. And I just picked guitar because I thought it would be the easiest thing to do. Even though I really loved music, I didn't really equate playing music yet. And then on the, the third go, I had a guitar teacher that was really awesome and he also happened to get me high for the first time and that was pretty much sealed the deal as far as playing guitar. <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I am really thankful that my parents pushed music as an art form on me and it kind of all came together, you know, when I started listening to 70s British rock and stuff like that. And I just, you know, I, I started my very first guitar to learn on was an old echo guitar that was a classical guitar that i had to have steel strings on and i just murdered my fingers oh yeah it was brutal but i i I had strings on that guitar it warped the neck within about three months because the strings were pulling on the neck so hard but i i loved it and i had a really cool teacher in los angeles where i grew up in a little music store and we just would sit in in this little room and if I would learn the music part of the lesson for the first 15 minutes, he had a huge box of songs and he would let me pick a song each week. And it was really cool. And he was, he was a really great guy. And so I, I was always, you know, taking lessons. I'm, I'm really thankful that I had the opportunity to have some really cool teachers on and off while I was growing up. And yeah, I mean, the next step was just to, to be in bands. I mean, I, I always, once I was playing guitar, it's like I wanted to do it with other people. So I had a really cool music program in my high school that afforded me the opportunity to play with a lot of different people and had a lot of different bands through high school, you know, played some school dances, stuff like that. But I always I always got thrown out of the cover bands I tried to be in because I just was not able to play other people's stuff note for note. Like I always wanted to do it my way. I always wanted 
to write my own solos or, or just improvisation. And it just didn't work with being in a Los Angeles cover band because, you know, the good bands were getting good money to play things exactly like they were on the record. And I completely failed at that. I mean, big, big time. So that, that was kind of a blessing and a curse. And I continued to play in a bunch of bands. And then um, somebody at BMI, which is the you know songwriting collection agency in Los Angeles, suggested that I should try writing songs. And that just brought me in, in a whole new area where I was playing guitar still, but not in a band. And I felt like I had more I don't know. I had I had more of an outlet for what I wanted to do without four other people that maybe were great musicians but not great songwriters trying to get involved in the songwriting. And I just kind of naturally went towards songwriting and producing, which I ended up doing for a while, always playing guitar. And then after that, let's see. And then then I moved to Europe as a songwriter and a producer, and I lived in Munich, I lived in London. I traveled throughout Europe, writing songs and producing artists. But I always was missing, like, I'm a huge rock fan. And I think it's really hard to analyze what it is about rock music, but there was just something that touched me really deep besides the music, maybe the honesty, the emotion, just the energy between the performers and the crowd. And I always wanted that, but I also kind of knew in the back of my mind that if I was going to be in a rock band, I wanted to be in a real kick-ass band that was, you know, that had that same thing when I played that I felt when I listened to the people that I liked, you know, like all Led Zeppelin and Sabbath and Hendrix, Nirvana, the classic rock bands, the, the grunge bands. I was really into the Seattle grunge band scene, stuff, stuff that was honest. And where there was some kind of a special bond between fan and band, I, I can't explain, you know, I think it's something personal to each musician, but I really felt that. And so I just decided that I would bring that element to my songwriting sessions. And so I was usually the guy that came in, wasn't planned, just winged it and had fun. And I developed a rapport with my co-writers you know, regardless of the style of music, based on that rock vibe, I think. And yeah, so then I continued, you know, I, I wrote songs, I produced records, I was always playing guitar on the stuff I did, and I just never found a band. And I was working on a project in New York with a drummer called Kenny Aronoff, who's a really cool studio musician, really great guy. Oh yeah. I've, I've and heard of we were, Yeah. He's, he's a monster. Mm -hmm. And when we were working on this project together, he mentioned that he had access to a really cool studio in Bloomington, Indiana, which is where he was living and teaching at the time. And he was, you know, still playing with John Mellencamp a little bit back then. And he said, I'd save a lot of money. You know, if I, I go to Indianapolis instead of New York, it would be great on the budget. So I started doing that when I was mixing records and doing, and I did all my drum recording with him there. And on one of those trips, I met Evan, who's my songwriting partner, and he's the singer and the founder of Hero Junior. And I would go, I would go, you know, like one to two weeks at a time mixing stuff and then going back to London. 
And on one of those trips, Evan, I think Evan was like 18 years old then. He was really young and he had moved out to Bloomington from Michigan. And we just hung out and we wrote a couple songs and worked on some ideas that he had developed. And yeah, it was that thing. I remember going home and just saying, man, I really met a guy that I have a vibe with. And I was right in the middle of having a publishing deal with, I think it was Sony Music at the time. And I just really couldn't leave to be in a rock band. That wasn't in the cards at the moment. And Evan was really persistent. It was really awesome. He'd, he'd be talked few times a year and you know he would he would just say you know you gotta come you gotta come and I was like well I can't I can't and I I still had the same feeling but I did go back one time and we recorded an EP together which was awesome and we sat in the room for a couple days and we just developed some ideas he was working on we wrote some new stuff and we made that record fully live in a bedroom in a day and that was like, that was pretty good for me feeling wise because it was just like, wow, this is really what I want to do. But I was still tied to a contract that I couldn't leave. So a couple years, I think it was a couple years went by. And then Hero Jr. in the formation that they had then, Evan had stopped doing his solo thing and it kind of morphed into Hero Jr. with Dave and Dave, Dave Dubrava, he's our bass player. And at the time, Evan's brother, Matthew, was playing drums. And, and they talked to me about writing some songs together, or just being creative together and co-producing their record. And I really wanted to do it, but I still had to stay in London. So we ended up writing everything over Skype together, which actually worked because we had such a good connection. And we made a record back and forth. And even though... It's really not what we're doing now. It was the start of, you know, getting a little more creative together and a little more, you know, having a little more consistency to our relationship. And then, what happened next? Okay, and, and then we finished this record. It finally got put together, and they invited me to come out to their CD release party in Indianapolis. And at first I said, yeah, I'm not sure if I can do it. And then within a week, all the things that had stability for me in my life disappeared. I decided not to have a publishing deal anymore. The studio that I had in London was switching owners and I didn't have a studio. I ended up breaking up with my girlfriend at the time. And it was just like, all of a sudden it was like, whoa. And then Evan called again to bug me to come play at their CD release party. So I thought, all right. Might as well. <laughs> well, I just thought, you know, and too, it's like, whoa, someone's hammering on my door to get me to go and do this. So I, I really just followed my instinct and I really didn't want to go back to America. I mean, I had really enjoyed living in Europe and just even going back for a week. It's like, eh, but I did it. And as soon as I got to the, I got to the airport, Dave picked me up at the airport. He drove to get an amp for me to use. We went to rehearsal. Those guys were all set up, ready to go, totally organized, like clockwork. And it was, it was amazing. Like there was really, there was a vibe that just, it was awesome. So we did the show. 
and it was great. And I ended up just staying, and that was it. And that was eight eight years ago now. It was 2012, and so I just went home for a week to pack up my stuff and put it in storage in London. And we've been on the road pretty much ever since until now, where we have to stay at home. Right. <laughs> so I mean, there's a lot of stuff in between, but that's that's a good 10 minute version, pretty much of how we got there and it was all about the music and the rock vibe and the honesty, the feeling, just all the things that I ever wanted kind of happened, you know, when Evan and I met and then when we got together as a band and we've been through a couple drummers since then. And now we've got Ryan Keyes, who is the guy that was meant to be in this band from day one. And it's like, really, it's great. It feels like home, you know, we're really, not only compatible musically, but we're really like a family together. And I think you really need that if you're in a band. Yeah. I, I mean, it, if you're not getting along and not jiving, you know, chemically, <laughs> then it, it pretty, it's feels like it'd be really difficult to make any headway. I know there's stories of bands that all hate each other, but I think that usually happens after, after time. If you start from that point, it's not really going to go anywhere. I don't feel like, I mean, yeah. And it's not like we don't have moments, you know, it's like, we're all honest. And, and part of the reason why I think this band is so awesome is because it's four people being themselves. And when we play, it comes out as one. And I think that's, that's really cool. It's like, we're, we're all being ourselves. And I think when you make art and music and you create stuff, it's like, that's, that's my goal as a base is just, you know, to be myself. And if I'm going to work with people that they're themselves. So of course there's, there's times where someone had a bad day and, you know, we get snappy at each other, but it's, you know, it's kind of like having three wives. It's, it's, I love them all. And there's just a couple days a year where it's just not as fun as the other days, but we really do get along well. And we really, I think we all really respect each other. Like everyone has such an important role in the band. And like you said, a lot of bands hate each other in the long run. It's like we really split everything equally and everyone does their thing. And we're really, besides, you know, being, you know, we're, we're, we're a really good live band. We're really emotional. We really don't think about things too much and just play. The shows are different every night, but we also treat it as a business and everybody relies on each other. And I think without that, for me personally, it just wouldn't work. It's like everyone's got each other's back all the time. And I think it's just, it comes out in the music when we play, I'm sure of it. And I think that's why, you know, when we, we make new fans and people come up and talk to us, it's like, we're no different than the music as people. I, I mean, I can tell, you know, like, I guess I should explain you know, how I found you guys and why we're talking right now is you did a takeover on Orange Amp's Instagram and I didn't, right. I wasn't aware of the band at the time and I was just like, listened to a couple clips and I was like, oh man, these guys, these guys got something here. Like they've got some sick riffs and it sounds really good. I was just like really into it. And so I started following the band and started following you after I saw some some comments and it was just like, and then, yeah, next thing you know, we're, we were talking on the phone after a bit and it was just like, yeah, you got to come on the podcast, man. This is going to be, a, this is going to be a great time. So 
the internet is a magical place still, despite all of the trolls that come out of the woodwork once in a while. So it lets us do things like yeah, this. Yeah, it is. It, it's really cool. And you know, what's really great about, I mean, Orange, for, for such a big amplifier company with so many people with such strong taste in music paying attention to it, it is really, really rare that people are trolling on their social media and they eliminate it right away. It's like, those guys are awesome. They're, they're in it for the music and their company's doing really well. They make great products. And it seems like, I don't know. It seems, it seems like they've got the same kind of family vibe that the band has. And we've been really trying, I mean, I've been working with orange for eight years now and the way they sold me on their amps is they, they knew that I was coming it started in England, actually, and someone turned me on to the English people, and they they just said, you know, they asked me what I was using, and I said I was using at the time I was using a couple '69 um, vintage JMP Marshall combos, like the 50 watt combos, mm -hmm. and they just said you're gonna love our amp, and they gave me the OR50, and they were right, and I've used that amp for eight years. And I haven't needed to put lots of cabinets with it. I, I still, because, you know, we're playing some smaller gigs, we're playing larger gigs. It's like, we don't have a road crew. So I, I got to be as, you know, I got to have my footprint in the van friendly as everybody else. So I can't really bring tons of gear with me. And I've been using the same 212 speakers and head for the most part for eight years. And they really, they backed it up. And that's the kind of that's how we feel like we are as a band it's like you know we back it up and it's i don't think it's arrogance it's just we have a really high standard and we want to have fun and we want to do good business and good work and we want to work with people like that and they're they're just like that and they don't have trolls and th their internet presence is really cool they do different stuff they've got a really good sense of humor and it's kind of like that with all the people we work with it's like we've really been lucky to find a gear family that one, we believe in the gear that we use and some of the stuff that I use, I've used it and would pay for it even if I wasn't getting it. So it's just, it's really cool that we've grown over eight years as a band and we're kind of picking up a family of people that really love rock music. And, and that's what it's all about, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's trying to surround yourself with like-minded people and good people is you know, that's, it just makes life so much better. <laughs> you know, it's, it it's, it, I've yeah. been in the opposite situation where like every day I'm going to this place and not so much with my last job before I was doing this, but with one of my older jobs, it was like, I don't like anyone here except like one dude. Like, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> like, these are just not my people. And, uh, you know, I tried to be nice and put on a good face and they probably didn't know that I didn't care for them, but it was like, kind of like a toxic environment in a lot of ways. And it was just like, I don't, I don't fit in here at all. And so now, you know, most of the people I talk to all the time are, they're, you know, they're wired more like me. They're interested in the things that I'm interested in and treat people the way I think that people should be treated. And it's just a much, that's just much, uh, much more, I don't know. There's no weight to it. You know, it's not like a, we I don't, totally. don't do that thing. You know, the thing where you wake up every Monday and you're just like, oh, uh, 
please just shoot me. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's awesome. That's the that's the beauty of it. But yeah, let's talk about some of the. Can you imagine? Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I no, I was just gonna say. Can, can you imagine being in a band where you only like one person? Like when you get to that point where you're on different buses, it's like I don't. I really don't think. I could do that no matter how much success we had or didn't have. It's like when it gets to that point where the wives are fighting, the girlfriends are fighting, everybody's fighting, and then you got to go play a show. It's like, man, that, that, I couldn't imagine that. That's, that's not in the cards for what I want to do. <laughs> no, man. That's, I mean, and it, and that does happen. You know, you hear stories and it's, I know. it's like, oh, Oh man, and and but yet they kind of have to keep doing it in a weird way. I don't know. It's a, it's such a it's a scary thought thought that that is a that is the way some bands operate. That would be not good. And there's a difference between I think that kind of not getting along and like I heard a really great interview that Dean Del Rey did with Brad Whitford of Aerosmith. Mm -hmm. And did you hear that one? Mm -mm. Oh, it's really cool. And it's like, you know, those guys have been together longer than most marriages and they love each other. So they could talk shit about each other. And it's just like part of a daily routine. But it, that's a great interview about a, you know, about a band that's been together for a long time and that they keep going and they've been through, you know, they've been through so many experiences together. And to hear him talk about it, there's so much love. But at the same time, it's like, God, I've been with these guys for 50 years. Fuck this shit. <laughs> and it's, 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 but it's really, it's all in love. You know, there's no, there's no bad vibe involved. It's just that, that's the kind of band where, you know, it would be great to have a band that really grows and navigates life together and navigates music together and still respects each other and still gets on stage and really has a great time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the best. And then you can see examples of that, uh, you know, I don't. I don't think most bands who ha hate each other can can even exist and do, and and continue to produce. I don't. I don't think that's really, really even doable. I don't think you can create in an environment like that at your at, at least not at your best. I, I wouldn't imagine that that's doable. Yeah, I I I couldn't either. I think it's it's doable when you when you're looking at the financial side of it. When there's four people that need to just keep going in their lifestyle. And the only thing that works is when they're together. You know, there's, I think there's a lot of bands where there's, they're great bands and then they do solo records and no one really cares. Right. And so their only way to make income is to just sweat it out with four dudes in the same room. And it's like, I mean, it just must be, it must be horrible. Yeah, totally. Totally. We're not like that. We're, we're awesome. I mean, it's really, I, I'm so, glad that I'm in a band where I could really just say, Hey, I love what we do. It's great. If you're a fan of rock music, there's a really good chance that you're going to feel the same thing I do. And I think, man, I've, I've waited for that. So it, it feels, you know, good to be a part of that. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, I'm going to, it's cool. You discovered us that way. That's awesome. We've met a lot of people through the internet, especially in the last um, few weeks, because, we were really lucky to have been testing out ways of recording our rehearsals live. And we've been recording our new album live in the living room. So, and we're doing everything live. So the last rehearsal before 
breakdown or lockdown breakdown lockdown um he turned on a camera and shot it so people have been able to see us live just from the living room and the response has been it's really cool because there's no middlemen involved now it's like you don't need to count on an agent to get you a show you don't need to count on a bigger band bringing you on tour it's like it's us and the people and i think you really can't bullshit rock fans they really react to what makes them feel good and and so it's been a real it's probably the best thing about all of this because it, you know it sucks that people are suffering in their fear and, and sickness but in terms of just the musical part and the creative part it's one of the first times except being on bigger tours that we've actually got to reach our fan base right there with nobody deciding if they're going to see us or not and that's amazing right yeah i mean that's that is the power of the internet i mean that the internet makes this show possible it's the only you know i never never in a million years imagined that this would be you know well you're not i mean at some point i obviously imagined it but like when i was in high school i wasn't like i'm gonna be talking to guitar people about guitar stuff on the internet for a living like like i didn't think that was gonna be a thing and i'm really glad that it is and hopefully we can continue to keep this this pirate ship going we'll see yeah no it's awesome the pot i mean we as a band we i would say we listen to podcasts 98 percent of the time on tour and we've really it's it's just been something that we've always done because i guess you know for us we make music all the time and so it's just really nice listening to other people share their experiences especially comedians i mean we we have a real close affinity with comedians and it, it's a it's even harder than music you know you're on your own out trying to make people laugh for a living oh you're, man you're traveling and you go through all that a band goes through but you don't have three other people to do it with i mean that is brutal totally totally so i've done one sort of stand-up-ish thing before and it was just like a roast of a friend uh amongst mm -hmm. friends so he's like it was like his 30th birthday and it was like yeah we're gonna roast him and so i tried to like write all this material out beforehand and and the audience was all people i knew it wasn't anybody that i didn't know and i'm i'm good with public speaking i'm good with with that that's not a problem but man trying to make people laugh even people that you know and just bombing because i was horrible it was not funny it, it was not good at all. And as a job, dude. Oh, a job. man. I, I was, like, nervous. <laughs> and, and again, those were all people I know. I can't imagine getting up in a crowd of strangers and, like, trying to trying to make them laugh. Oh, that, that sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds so terrible. But the, the, oh, yeah, the, the yeah. good thing about comedians, though, is for them, when they do make it... Uh, Man, their expenses are so much lower than a band. <laughs> they don't have as many. <laughs> so that you you know, the check that a band gets gets divided by the members of the band plus crew plus, you know, who managers and whatever. The comedians, they have they probably have a manager, but it's just the manager and them. So that that's a nice that's a nice benefit to all that hard work for sure. Yeah, yeah. It is it is really it's it's such hard i mean i've never done it and i don't want to do it but the people that i follow and and watch do it i mean it's really amazing it's there's so much time i mean it's it's really reminds me of music in so many ways not just the struggle but 
the timing and the rapport with the audience and I mean just but doing it yourself as one person knowing that's not for me but I it's it's amazing comedy comedy is actually in my opinion more rock and roll than music at, at the moment it's, comedy is so cool right now yeah it's it's really it's going crazy I don't I don't follow it as closely as as some people do but it's it's pretty bananas what comedians are able to do right now it's it's pretty impressive i mean we got comedians yeah. interviewing presidents and vice pre you know or and presidential candidates on their podcasts now who would have thought that was yeah. ever going to be a thing that is just crazy I know. well let's yeah, get into uh yeah. let's get into some gear stuff because supposedly this is a gear <laughs> podcast i don't know maybe it isn't anymore maybe i need to change the name who knows uh but that's right you know more about gear than me so just leave me it's uh, it's i'm i've i'm not a gear guy but i can talk about what i do for sure i, I would yeah that's what i want to know i want to know what you what you have what do what are your gear preferences what's your rig look like you talked about the orange but what about the rest of it so yeah i mean amp wise i've been using the or50 and the ppc 212 cabinet that's been my main rig with Hero Junior, and I've also used a Rockerverb Mark III 50 watt, which is also a great amp. I I just think for for Hero Junior, my favorite amp is the OR50. It just does something with my guitar. I'm playing a 1972 Les Paul. It's a deluxe with the factory mod to turn it into a standard. Back in 1972, you had the option to put the T-top pickups in. And so it was done in the factory. So I've got that. It's in very well-used shape. But I've, I've been playing that guitar as my sole guitar in Hero Jr. because I just haven't found anything until a couple months ago. I, I found another Les Paul. I started working with Gibson, another company that's absolutely amazing as far as the, the family vibe. And, you know, for such a big and well-known company to have such a personal family vibe to it it's cool and kind of like with orange you know they they said we're going to find you guitar that you like playing as much as your old one and so i've got a 1960 custom shop reissue les paul standard that is really awesome and you know it's it's almost like getting a new girlfriend somehow because i've been playing my guitar for such a long time that i have other guitars but the les paul is my favorite but i've really made it a point to play this one all the time until it starts, you know, becoming a mainstay. And so far, it's it's really great. So I, those are the two guitars that I'm using right now. I don't use a lot of pedals. I mean, I have a lot of pedals, but I would say 5% of our show or even less has pedals in it. But just for, you know, special touches, I've got a um, Memory Man from, I think it's like an early 80s one. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good. It's like the first years where they put the twenty four volt power in. Okay. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what year it is, but I would say it's late seventies, early eighties. I really love that because it's got a, a special modulation chorus vibrato after delay, which is really cool that I like. Um I've got a vintage MXR phase ninety, which is my it's the Jimmy Page one, and Jimmy Page is really I guess if I was going to say I have a hero, he's definitely the guy that's responsible for me 
continuing with music. I, I just love his production, guitar playing and everything. And so it's that I've got a phase 90s, like a 70s. Um, I use a Russian Big Muff from 90s when they did that reissue. I love that one. That's another one that's really, I, I, I get a lot of pedals from different people wanting me to try their pedals. And that's one that I tell everyone, man, all the pedals that I've gotten are really good from people, but nothing responds with the orange stuff like that because I, I use, I, I kind of have my overdrive already going just through the amp. It's broken up already just with no effects. And so when I put the big muff on it, almost every other fuzz bottoms out and that one doesn't. And I've had that for, since it, since it came out, I've had that one and I love it. So that's on my rig. And then as far as new stuff goes, I I use real Echoplexes, but obviously that sucks for live. Right. Because of just the maintenance. Well, I mean, I would do it if I had a tech, but we can't afford that right now. So, and what's really cool is Jim Dunlop got me their version of the Echoplex that has a tap button on it. And I got to say that that thing really kills it it's super simple it's it's got some of the characteristics that the echoplex has it's a small footprint it's got the tap on it which is pretty helpful because when i'm playing i really kind of go somewhere else so i i kind of space out a little bit and if things go wrong i'm not going to like bending down and turning dials on my pedal so it's great that it has a tap that's that's one of the newer things that I use. And the other thing is Gabriel over at Echo Park. He makes this um, harmonic boost. It's just one button and one knob. And that thing is really great because I get a boost and it doesn't really change my sound at all. And I love that. That's that's such a great pedal. And it's just, you know, it's just one gain knob and that's it. And other than that, I and I use a CAE wah. That's, that's also something that I got from Jim Dunlop. And they're, they're, that's a really good wall pedal. And other than that, I just switched things in and out for Hero Junior to see what works. I mean, that's how we met, I think, besides the orange connection is we were talking and then I asked you about a pedal I saw and it turned out that you knew the guy that made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh yeah. It was our, our boy over at Mr. Black, Jack DeVille. He's been on the podcast and, I know him pretty well. So yeah, he's uh he's he's makes such good sounding pedals. Uh the uh his like his forte is is well he can do whatever. He's a really great engineer, but his forte is making digital stuff that doesn't sound digital, basically. It sounds really good. Mm -hmm. And it's cuz he does all the coding from scratch. So um he's not using any drag and drop things that are there are you know there's like graphical interfaces that are available to program some of these things and that's why some of them kind of sound the same but the guys that know that really know coding can develop their own algorithms from scratch and that's why they don't sound like other things which is what he's really good at so it, yeah i mean i'm gonna i i can't wait to meet him sometime because he actually makes two things that i have the originals of that I have never heard anything close to because I think he also does that big gray Roland 
chorus vibrato unit. Mm -hmm. He does one of those, right? Yeah, yeah. He's and got that's my he's got a favorite, and he does those in stereo too, which is really that's where they really shine. Is if you can run a stereo rig, which is I know is kind of hard to do for a lot of people, but if you can, it's like game changer for, with with his stuff anyway. Like the Tape X two in stereo, it's, I could just do play that for hours <laughs> it's so yeah, crazy that his stuff sounds amazing like it re that's that's really that his stuff really sounds amazing and then so yeah i mean and then i do sessions for people you know because i still i'm producing and writing with other people when we have some downtime which is pretty rare but now actually it isn't it's it's i've done the most work like studio and writing stuff being home alone the last couple of weeks because we're not doing, you know, we can't be together because of the social distancing. So, and I, I've, I've been getting into doing some kind of trippy meditation music, but it's really, really simple. And for that, I'm using different pedals because I don't want to have any noise. Like with hero junior, the noise is part of it and mm -hmm. it's great. And it, you know, we're dynamic and loud as a band. So I've, I've got all my pedals true bypassed, through a switcher, just a, a manual switcher. I don't even know what kind it is. It's something that's made in Canada. It's actually really, really good. It's just a, a big, thick steel box with switches on it. I got it a long time ago. I don't even know who makes it, but it's great. But for the for the other stuff, like the studio stuff, obviously I got to have a little bit less noise, especially if it's, you know, proper R&B stuff. So for that, I've still been using my old Line 6 green delay box, which is really good. I mean, it mm -hmm. doesn't work for Hero Jr., but that's a great box. And I've been using that together with the um, Orange makes a really cool compressor. It's called a Kong Presser. And that, that's something that I would never use in Hero Jr. again because it, it's too controlling of the sound. But in the studio, it's killer because I can actually go to tape with a compressor and not have to use something in the rack, which is really nice keeping. I always print my effects always. So it's, it's really nice if I'm using effects in a clean situation that I could control the compression on my pedal board. And that is a really good compressor. And then I'm using on that pedal board, um, the Jim Dunlop, the, the green muff fuzz, they've got a big one and little one. They're both awesome. Like when I'm going through a clean amp, it's a lot different what pedal choices I can use because when I go through my OR50 or the RV3 50 watt that I use, like I've already got enough overdrive on there that a lot of other overdrive or harmonic pedals just don't work well with it. But when I'm using a clean amp on the sessions, like most of the session stuff, I'm using the clean channel on the rocker verb or I've got a dual terror. And that's that's another awesome amp. I just and I'm just using that through a 112 speaker, and so there there's more choice of fuzzes and distortions and things that I can do to manipulate the sound that I wouldn't be able to do with Hero Junior. And I mean, it's not. I still prefer just going straight in like I do with the band, but it is fun to fool around with sounds. And so there's there's all kind though. Um, what else am I using? KHDK. They have a really cool. It's called the Ghoul Junior. Have you heard of that one? I haven't. I I know the brand, but I don't know that pedal. 
that's a that's a really cool it's it's more just i mean i don't really know what it does but it just adds something cool after i put if i put that after a distortion box it gives it a little bit of a, a boost and it does something in the high end a little bit gives it a little more sustain that's a cool pedal and yeah that's about it i mean you know every now and then i'll find something that i like but mostly i stick with the older stuff and I play an Ebo on some songs. I really like that. That's a cool thing to have. Um, oh, the, the other thing that's been a pretty good game changer for both Evan and myself in the band is we switched over to DR strings. And I mean, I've, I've paid attention to strings a little bit, but mainly, you know, it, it hasn't been a big deal. And we we did some shows with Jared James Nichols at the end of last year, last summer or sometime. And he just, you know, he was going on and on about how great these strings were. And finally I tried them. And it's like both Evan and I, they last longer. And I, I used to change my strings every show because I sweat a lot. And these just, for whatever reason, and they're not coded, they're just the normal, I use the blue strings. And Evan uses, I don't know, the red ones, whatever the red ones are. And they're amazing, and they make my guitar sound way better. They're On this album, it's the first album I've recorded with these strings. And for someone that's not really giving a bunch of, you know, thought to strings, like I'm, I'm using these strings, and it's like they sustain better, they ring better. The bottom end clarity is so much better. And it just, I, I've gotten a lot closer to my guitar, believe it or not, through the strings. And Evan, who's a totally different kind of guitar player than I am, he plays a hollow body Epiphone, and he put the strings on his guitar, and we both looked at each other, and it's like, wow, these are insane. So I, I've been using these strings now for, I don't know, a little more than a half a year, and they're they're also awesome. And then I use just, normal fender heavy picks the ones i've always i i like heavy picks yeah I've been using those i'm a heavy pick time. guy too and that's that's it you know i mean i'm always up for trying stuff but i've i've never found a better combination than i have right now and i don't have i mean i wish i had a smaller pedal board for live but i still you know, it, it's going to take something really serious to get on my pedal board because it's not just what it sounds like for me. It's like once it gets between the guitar and the amp, it, there's something with the way I play and, and the way I feel it that if it doesn't feel good, I can't really play well. And it's like if someone gives me their guitar, I have a really hard time playing strange guitars. It's just, yeah, it's not, it's, it's weird. It's kind of like the way... I didn't fit in a cover band. <laughs> yeah. I need my guitar. Yeah, I can I can understand that. An acoustic that. guitar. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah, and then uh, acoustic guitars. I mean, we used to do a couple unplugged things, but we're just really focused on the electric right now. But I do have a Hummingbird that's from the early 60s that is, I've had that for a long time. It's a, it has a really cool story behind it too, because when I was living in Germany, I was on tour with a band 
that I was producing and I was playing guitar with the artist and we did a bunch of television shows and I had a really cool Guild jumbo guitar from the seventies. It was, I, I think it was like an F sixty five. It was called or something like that. But it was it was huge, and it was one of these guitars where if you were in a good studio and you stood twenty feet in front of it, you could feel the bottom end in your chest. It was a great guitar, and we were in Amsterdam, and I had that guild and the same guild but twelve string, and they both got stolen out of the van and I was like really heartbroken and I was just looking through the vintage guitar magazine in America and there was a store in Connecticut that had a hummingbird and I had never had one before and it it was the it was the type of sound that I like really warm and not too I'm not really a Martin guy because I think the Martins are a little too clean for the way I play they're great guitars but it's just it's not my thing and so I, I called up the shop and I said, you know, I'm in I'm in Europe. I said, it's a good price. It, it looks cool. What can you tell me about it? He goes, dude, it's a little beat up, but it's had a lot of good playing on it. And it's a, it was a thousand dollars for a 64. What? And yeah. It, and and I just said, OK. And he said and he even, and the guy at the store guaranteed me that if I didn't like it, I could send it back. And so it was a no-brainer. And I've had that guitar for a long time now, and it's a great guitar. I mean, I've broken it a couple times. It's been professionally, you know, fixed up. And each time it gets fixed, it definitely changes sound, and it takes me a long time to get used to it. But um, I, w I was on tour for two years with Marianne Faithful in, like, it was like two... 07, 08, those two years. And I had that guitar with me and another Gibson that I was playing at the time. And I always used to sit on my case sideways at the airport and stuff like that. And I didn't realize that every time I sat on it, like it was a great case, but I didn't realize that I was slowly getting rid of the braces in the guitar when I was sitting on it. Oh. And then there was one day where the, yeah, I mean, that's me. And there was one day where the brace just fell off and there was, I had a friend in Munich, Germany. His name's Thomas Keller. He's like one of the best luthiers I've ever met. And he, he really knew how to set up guitars. He, he's amazing. And he, he fixed my guitar and it came back a totally different guitar. And it took me about two years to start liking the way it sounded because I was so, I was so used to the old way. But same with my Les Paul. I've had the neck break off of that guitar two times right yeah twice and it comes back sounding different but it's always awesome and i don't know they, they must be special guitars but yeah that's the i'm gonna start looking at some new acoustics because the new gibson acoustics look awesome and i would like to have a guitar to play that's not from the 60s that i take out of the house it's, it's a little too old now to take that out of the house but it's a great guitar actually just yeah, I love that guitar. It's it's really like a part of me. Both those old Gibsons are part of me. I've always been a big fan of the Gibson SJ200. It's like my favorite acoustic that I've played. My dad has a really nice one. My friend Leon has a really nice one. They're just they sound awesome. I I went when I went to Nam. I played some of the new Gibson ones. I played the Gibson one, and then I went over and played the Epiphone Masterbuilt one. 
And surprisingly, I actually liked the Epiphone better. I just thought it sounded, at least on those two particular guitars, I just thought it sounded fuller and richer. And I was like, huh, look at that. You never know what you never know what's gonna happen. I was just really impressed with the new Epiphone stuff across the board at at the Gibson booth. I was like really impressed. I was re- kind of surprised, honestly. Not that Epiphone's no, ever been think, bad, I'm, but it's just like I was just this stuff is really good. Yeah, it, I mean, what's really cool is that Ev- Evan from Hero Junior he he plays the Sheridan too, and he's been playing that as long as I've been playing my Gibson, like that's, that's part of our sound, which is really interesting because he plays a hollow body through a PV amp and I'm playing my Les Paul through the orange. And there's something every time that we've veered away from that combination, it's so far we haven't found anything that works like that because it sounds like it's one guitar because we're recording live we, we have it like we play. It's like, I'm always panned hard right, he's always panned hard left, and that's the way we record. Drums and mono and bass and mono and vocals, like right up in center. So you can really hear the two guitars. And there's sometimes when we're playing rhythms together and licks together, where it just sounds like one guitar. And between the two sounds that we have, it's it's really perfect. It's it, And I mean, we we have, we just have a bond when we play together that's, even though we come from totally different places and we're different, we have the same connection with our playing. And so there's a lot of times it sounds like one guitar and his Sheridan, it's, it's great. He just, he just got a new one from Epiphone. They're also another company that's really cool. And I think, I think that Gibson and Epiphone are really doing something different now in the last few years than they did before. It's the, the instruments, I mean, I'm just really picky because if it doesn't feel good, I just can't do anything with it. And the instruments that I've had in my hands, they really feel a lot more like the older ones somehow. Don't know how to explain it, but yeah, the the J200, that's a that's a killer guitar. And I I've heard a lot of great things about the master built stuff. I haven't played it yet, but everybody says they're really really good. Yeah, they're they're killing it over there right now. I at least in my opinion, I thought it was I thought it was great. Um, let's Have see. you been there for the factory tour? I did the factory tour in Memphis, uh, but that's that's a little that's some other stuff. That's uh, where they build the. I can't remember what they build there. That's not at other. I think it's where they do a lot of hollow bodies, like the ES three thirty fives and stuff. I think that's the main focus over there. I I can't remember. It was a few years ago, but it was a cool tour. It was really interesting. That's amazing. You should try to do the Nashville one if you can. It was it was really it was really great to just see the history. You can really feel it. It's it's it was really cool. They have some of the same machinery in Kalamazoo there. And it just like you're just in this huge bunch of spaces and you can just feel that everyone's on the same team there. It is really super cool. So we're getting close to the uh, the end of the episode here, and uh, I've got a couple classic questions to wrap this thing up. But before I do that, this is kind of your chance to, you know, say anything you want to say. If you got to get something off your chest, or if you want to plug something, or <laughs> this is this is your your moment. This is like my hot ones moment. Yep. <laughs> um, 
Well, I, all I can do is invite everybody that's listening to check out the band because it's it's what I really believe in, and we all really believe in it. And put you know we've really sacrificed. Well, I don't know if sacrifice is the right word, but we've all put everything that we've got into the band. So we've got our Instagram at Hero Junior, H E R O J R. We've got um, YouTube channel is Hero Junior official. We've got website herojuniormusic.com and Facebook at Hero Junior Music. And check out Orange. We we have a lot of stuff that Orange posts. They've been really supportive at Orange's Instagram. I'm doing a one-hour little talk show, play show, whatever we're trying to figure out what it is, on Orange every Monday at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Um... Check out, we got stuff on Gibson's got a great TV station. Gibson TV is really cool. And yeah, just listen to the music and I, ho- I hope you guys really like it. It makes me happy. So hopefully it'll make some other people happy too. There you go. Nice. And thanks so much for having me. It was really cool the way we met. I, I really enjoy stuff like that. Yeah, it's fun. It was, a, it, was a, it was a good chat. Thanks for coming on. It was really fun. Okay. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Here we go with the classic questions. Here's the first one. What is your favorite boss pedal? Oh, the the CE. I guess it's the CE2, right? The gray one. Okay. The old one. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yep. They, boss. I love yep. Boss. <laughs> I wish they would sponsor yeah, the podcast. Actually, but hey, I love them anyway. <laughs> I mean, I've I've been using the same Boss tuner for over 15 years. So many gigs. Over 1,000 gigs. More even. Evan too. The the boss is their stuff is really good and it and it works and doesn't break. All right, this is the this is the one where it generates some controversy. This is a this is the the hot question. So, what kind of pizza do you like? Oh man, simple because I'm mostly vegetarian. So I'm just gonna say cheese and spinach. Onions and peppers. How about your crust? What, what do you like your What do you like your crust thickness thin, at? Thin, thin crust, medium cooked, not burnt, but not white. Gotcha. Well, that's hard to argue with, really. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. I, where's the con? I have the controversy. Where? What's created the most controversy? Oh well, there's kind of this thing that like so. To back up a little bit, the listeners already know this, so they're probably like tuning out. But like, I've never liked pineapple. End of story. Like, I don't like I don't like pineapple on anything. I don't want to eat pineapple, and I seriously don't want it on my pizza. So you know, back in 2015 or whatever, when this podcast started, uh, I was saying like, yeah, you know, I don't like pineapple on my pizza, and then it, the internet like. I'm not, I didn't start this. That's not what I'm saying. But like somehow it became like a thing to not like pineapple on your pizza. And so, you know, there's all these memes about it and blah, 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 blah. So the pineapple, whether or not they like it on their pizza, that is the the source of controversy generally. Or that, oh, or, right on. Or, or people who really like Chicago style pizza and then people who like New York style pizza are like, it's not pizza. You know that there's there's some controversy there. You know that kind of thing. 
Gotcha. Chicago pizza is good. I mean, my girlfriend lives in Chicago. I like Chicago pizza, but it's not the same as New York pizza. I, I'll I'll put my vote in for New York pizza and definitely no pineapple. I think you should even have a shirt that says no pineapple. <laughs> well, I'm so you're you're doing good then. Yeah, I'm a I'm I tend to be a New York pizza fan. I have recently had some Chicago pizza. A listener, John. Thanks, man. Sent me a, a frozen one from Chicago that's like half cooked and then you finish it off yourself. Um, well, oh, cool. it was really good, but it's it's like a I kind of consider it the same thing as like it's a pizza cousin. It's like a calzone is not a pizza. Obviously, it's a calzone, but it's kind of pizza pizza ish. Like that's that's where I stand yeah. on it. Like it's a good thing. And, it, and when you're craving it, that's it's the only thing that'll do. But it, you know, it's not really what and I think. If you of. eat too much Chicago, if you eat too much Chicago pizza, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> like that stuff, that stuff's gonna hang around for a while. <laughs> it is a, it's a bomb for sure. All right, man, let's, let's wrap this thing up. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was really fun. Right on. So for Ken, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck. And good tones. All right, folks, that was a good time. That man is a delight to talk to. And seriously, go check his band out. The riffs are strong with this band, and so are the tones. In fact, like that's what brought this whole thing together, as you now have heard. I heard just I was like, this is a sick band. And I started following him. And next thing you know, here they are on the pod. Well, here he is on the podcast. And he's also on the Patreon section. I know I talked about it at the top, but Real quick, just go to patreon.com slash tonemob and you can hear the rest of this conversation that we had, which was quite lengthy and quite interesting. At least it was for me. So anyway, if you can't do that, I totally understand. It's crazy times out there for everybody. But if you could just share this with a friend, share it with somebody you think would enjoy it, whether they play guitar or not, doesn't really matter. If you think somebody would enjoy these conversations, share this podcast with them and say, hey, this is for you. Because that's how I find most of the podcasts that I really love. So, anyway, I know you've got other stuff to do, other things to check out. But thanks so much for putting me in your ears today. And I'll be back with you a little bit later. Might not be next week. Might be sooner. But it'll be at least by next week. We'll see. I gotta check the, the backlog. Alright, everybody. Later. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. 
Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.